Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 184, No Time to Waste, Stuck in Traffic. My name is Josh Canal. to my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. Box Cutters is all about television. All about television? All about television. Mm. And sometimes a little bit about what Brett thinks it should be about, not necessarily about television. So all this stuff about crockery I brought in, that's useless. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for crock cutters. Mm. Fine. It's a, that's the other no, podcast. No, fine. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, and speaking of television, there's a whole bunch to talk about today. We're going to do a review of the new television show from the ABC network in the States called Better Off Ted. Brett, you've got a crap TV. We're going to talk a, a crap TV guide. <laughs> crap TV guide. Brackets guide. Nice. It's like media watch. Press, 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 <laughs> press. Uh, we've, uh, we, we've got uh, before and after school coming back. Still no-, no theme for it. No theme for it, but we do have the segment. So if you have a theme for that segment at home, send it in. Sure. And uh, I'll, I'll be talking about Royal, Royal Dalton's new line of uh, no, no, ceramics. No, no, no crockery. No crockery. No, no crockery. No, no crockery. But Monkey, the TV show. Right. Is, we can do that in before and after school. Oh, we can talk about monkeys, but not crockery. Yes. <laughs> uh, we'll look at... Uh, we'll, we'll take Who a are squeeze you, Ricky squeeze. Gervais? I know. Monkey's got to get out of jail for Squeeze it, squeeze. No one's done that. No yeah, one's yeah, used yeah. that. <laughs> take a squeeze it, squeeze. I know. Uh, that's because uh, no one's actually taken a squeeze at it. That's, that's Brett where it falls. Oh, and yes, they have. And so, I, yeah, some people have. will take one for the team, let me tell you. <laughs> hey, hey, I watched it as well. Uh, we've got the letters to box cutters. If you watch one thing, that does have a theme. The box cutters quiz and some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. Hey, Josh, you know how you're always saying there should be more live surgery on television? I, You know what? It's all I've been waiting for. I know. Well, Channel 4, they've come to your rescue. Uh, last week, Channel 4 dedicated four nights to showing live surgery. Mm. This is England's uh, Channel uh, 4. England's Channel 4, yeah, in the UK. Can, can I take my pick, pick of surgery? Because I'd, I'd really like to see an appendectomy. Uh, I don't think that was one of your choices, <sighs> unfortunately. You, you, do, you did get to see heart surgery, brain surgery, stomach surgery, and... Finally, tumour removal. You didn't hey. see that one coming. Is this on their main channel? This is on their main channel. Yeah, yeah. yeah, obviously over in the UK, they're, they're more advanced with the digital TV and so they have uh, more established... But no, this, this was genuinely just free to air, apparently, on, on the main channel for station. They were saying that um, the problem was that they, they only had certain time slots uh, allocated, so you didn't get to see the end of some of them, which would be annoying, I think, oh. to not know how it finishes. But... Um, uh, as well as watching, though, the surgeon was talking to the camera and he was taking questions via uh, the website, phone, email and Twitter. So it's it's like Quiz Monkey mixed with surgery. With with actual surgery. And apparently with the brain surgery, you got to ask questions to the patient because patients are, 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 are awake and conscious. How's it going? How's it feel to have someone doing brain surgery while you're on telly? Am I dribbling? I can't tell. And this thing, I read this and thought it just that sounded... Was his answer. <laughs> I thought it sounded horrendously, you know, crass, but everyone, all the reviews are saying it was really interesting, it was really good, it was really educational. Because, you know, I, I, I have to call my council and I, I get to call them like four times a year for tumour removal. Do you? Yeah. Well, <laughs> isn't that hard rubbish removal? That's hard tumour removal. Oh, right. Uh, and 
I just wanted to share with you that Channel 4's commissioning editor for science is David Glover. He appeared on an excellent program on BBC's Radio 4, which you can always download the podcast version of or listen live on their site. It's called The Media Show, and it's very good. Um, Steve Hewlett, who's the presenter of that program, asked David Glover, the commissioning editor, why it was that Channel 4 was playing live surgery, and we have a clip of that here. Ah, yes. <laughs> well done, Josh Canal. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you know, I forget. Get a monster in a lab. That's not it's not right a monster. Clip. It's a cyborg. That's not the right that's thing. That's the wrong clip. That's the wrong thing. <laughs> but that's live surgery. It's quite like like was was did the show was it quite kind of gory? Because we you may not have seen it. We did talk about uh, before you you uh, uh, changed forms, John, uh, about uh, anatomy for beginners, the, which, was, which is also I believe a Channel Four production. Uh-huh. I think it was much the same. I imagine it would be much the same style. It would be probably quite you know scientific only probably with less nudity but which, no uh, smiling and anatomist in a in yeah a, yeah because that guy was just door. creepy do, do the thing again where you okay. throw to the, to so, the here sound we go. Yeah. so uh, Steve Hewlett on BBC Radio 4's The Media Show asked David Glover the commissioning editor for Channel 4 why they decided to put live surgery to air well there are a couple of reasons really um, one is that so it can be interactive um, what's really amazing about what we were doing this week is that the viewers can actually ask questions of the surgeons. And in some, in last night's case, they actually could ask the questions of um, the patient as he's having brain surgery done. So there's a kind of way in which we're kind of really, you know, breaking down the barrier between the normally private world of the operating theatre and the viewers. So that's one reason. The other reason is that surgery just works very well live. Surgery works very well live. <laughs> That's that's really why I brought that in. I just wanted to share that with you. I, I thought that was hilarious. It, it, yeah, it is. It is a lot better than pre-recorded surgery. Oh, I hate that. I have to say, I have to say that's genius. Uh, I, I wonder if uh, we're going to get to see something like that here in Australia. I, I, I doubt it. I, I doubt it because it sounds yeah expensive and difficult. <laughs> and, and there's probably some some the kind of workarounds that uh, the privacy legislation doesn't allow you to do it. I, I presume Channel 4 will probably try and repackage this into some kind of doco. It was funny, they were saying for one of them, because uh, I think maybe the heart transplant or something, there was one of them that, that obviously the audience felt a bit cheated by not getting to see the end of, because there was no way of knowing how long these operations were going to last. And apparently they had to do a sort of throwback like, later in the evening. It's like, let's cross live but, to know, that surgery. There's, there's <laughs> never any way to, to figure out what time the footy show is going to finish, and they just keep on going with it. Why can't they do that over there? Hang on, didn't... didn't- Rove on Channel Ten have a live vasectomy on one episode. <laughs> Did he? I'll need to I'll need to check that. But uh, mm. I, one thing I'm not I'm not necessarily going to say this is the first time you know live surgery has been done on telly. It strikes me it might might have been done before. But I think the interactive element of, of being able to ask questions and dedicating four nights to it as a sort of festival that was kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah, Talking about uh, blood and guts, uh, Underbelly Three. <laughs> yes, <laughs> has been announced uh, that oh, it's going King, to be King, uh, kicking off on air next February. Uh, the third instalment. We'll start shooting in August and we'll fill the gap between the first and second series um, to uh, filling that chronological gap uh, starting in the late 1980s and running through to the mid to late 90s. So there you go. If you're oh. uh, hanging out for... Uh, was Matthew so did, Newton killed by the end of uh, did number the, one? Or number did two? the early 80s get covered then? Early and mid 80s? Were they, were they covered in two? 70s and 80s. Uh, oh, okay. I thought yeah. just 70s. Yeah, I didn't realise yeah, they went that far. Yeah, they, just, they took as much crime. Yeah. As they could and shoved it into one series, and I don't know, I, I stopped watching. Now, now this uh, this covers the period where uh, police corruption, um, I guess, in uh, especially in New South Wales and Queensland, was rife. Uh, so, so oh, like the uh, blue murder, like like yeah. what blue murder's already done really well. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and but, you know, holds 15, up. 15 years ago. Holds, holds up to this day as good television. Uh, so, so like that. I, I think uh, audiences have been conditioned now that uh, they see actor Tony Martin and they think cop. Uh, so him playing Noddy Holder just wouldn't work. They'll, they'll think, what's that cop? Been bad for why? Why? Why is Roger Rogerson beating him up? Also, Blue Murder was in black and white, and didn't have sound, so you know, audiences find that hard to watch. It was actually just oh, a flip fifteen book. years ago. Yeah, fifteen yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a long time in television. Hey, you know what isn't a long time in television? Although it bloody seems like it. A week. One week. <laughs> One week ago, we brought you the Chick Chick Boom Girl Who? and Chick Chick Boom. Who's that? Claire Werbeloff. Oh God, I've got a really vague memory. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, well Brett, you you brought it up, and uh, and at the time I thought eh, this is just a, a flash in the pan. But clearly, Channel Nine don't think so. And uh, apparently, uh, she's being uh, approached by a current affair because she present- might be the new Corey Worthington. Yeah, to- was it Worthington? I can't even remember what his surname was now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? Well, yeah. There was some there was some uh, confusion about whether it was Worthington or Delaney, and uh, it was. I think it was Worthington Delaney. Out. Worthington, I think his stepfather had adopted him or something. But yeah, I, look, I'm tired of internet memes. I'm tired of them. Who cares about the chick chick boom? Oh, but it was just everywhere. And then by the time she actually, well, once once the reveal that uh, it was fake came out, mm-hmm. I think everybody turned off. Except that Except a current affair are uh, looking to make her a uh, a presenter of pop culture issue <laughs> stories, uh, and there is uh, th- there is word that she will also be presenting a segment of Getaway. Uh, later on in the year, and, and I thought at first I thought like clearly fat, fat wog get away. So that'll yeah, be what yeah, she'll yeah. be doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. clearly wog, I, skinny wog. Skinny I thought wog that it was. Yeah. Uh, I thought that it was uh, going to be just you know some some kind of hoax mm-hmm. article, but no. I, I this was this was in a number of different newspapers, uh, all of the Murdoch papers, but uh, the Daily Telegraph said that they spoke to a high profile Nine insider. Uh, and, well, uh, that's convincing. Yeah. Well, he can't be named. Sure. Why not? Well, he's a high-profile insider. Or she. Don't be surprised if she bobs up on ACA particularly. She's got something. Whether it's the X Factor, we'll find out. I think it's a catchphrase. I think that's what she's actually got. It's just a catchphrase. Yeah. So they'll have to work that in, won't they? Every story she does. You know, from Thailand, chick chick boom. I well, think- is it, is it going to be like from Thailand or is it going to be from the Ivory Coast? Chick chick boom. Is it just going? Is she just going to go to to horribly violent parts of the world and do stories on getaways so that she can finish them with chick chick boom? Oh, that's intriguing. I think it's beyond time that uh, Channel 7's Today Tonight signed up Jake, who had uh, the massive nineteen eighties glasses in that same clip. Uh, I think he was uh, a lot more. Interesting. I think they should sign up the girlfriend with his cousin. Who kept running no, in saying, "You've said enough. You've I'm- had enough, Jake." She should, yeah, she should do everything. I've got to tell him, I've got to tell him. In a non-segue piece of news, you know how, Josh, you're always saying you'd really like them to make a film version of Buffy without the involvement of Joss Whedon? It's, I can't sleep for, for saying that. Well, apparently they're going to make a film version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer without the involvement of Joss Whedon. Because Joss Whedon was really, he was dragging that program down. Yeah, really, really just hold, holding it back. Holding it back. Um, yes, it, it turns out that uh, the Kazooies, who you might remember from the credits of Buffy and nothing else, they still, of course, own the rights to the movie. They were basically producer and, and director. On the uh, on the feature film, which no one enjoyed back in 1992. And they have been approached by Vertigo Entertainment to make a new film. It's going to be... Um, hang on, I'm trying to find the word. It's not a reimagining. It's a, you know... A, a reboot? Are they saying it's a reboot? Oh, it's a reboot. Yeah, they are talking about it as a reboot. 
Yeah. Because reboot doesn't actually mean I'm so against that phrase. That means you go back to the start, everybody pretends like the first one didn't happen. Why isn't that just a reimagining? Well, the the curious thing too is they actually don't have the rights to use most of the characters you enjoyed from the TV show. Including Buffy. Well, they can use Buffy, apparently. Buffy can be used, um, but they can't use Giles, Angel, Willow, Xander, Spike, basically anyone else who just turned up on the TV show. So they're kind of left with the character who, you know, Arguably the least interesting character of, of the group. So uh, it's basically about Buffy as she was in the movie? Oh, it's a relaunch. Sorry, here we are. Oh, it, re- it's, a relaunch. It's a relaunch. The idea, apparently, is that um, uh, to every generation there is a... There is a, a slayer. Slayer and this will be like a different Buffy. And uh, yes, it's going to be dark, of course, as but, well. But surely Joss Whedon owns the rights to the Slayer concept. Well, no, he was he was very young and uh, was kind of taken advantage of when he first uh, oh. came up with the concept. Because I read elsewhere, the Kazooies had nothing to do with the TV show, but their names do appear in every single episode as producers. The, the Kazooies? The Kazooies. Yes. Frank Kazooie and, and, uh, and Bill. So, in fact, Joss Whedon had, <laughs> done, Joss Whedon had done the movie, and uh, then there was, there was no... Uh, the, there was no requirement for the Kazooies to actually use him for the series at all, but they chose to go to him. Right. Yeah. Right. So they actually... So how is they he They own the rights of the movie. They own the rights, the rights of the movie. Joss Whedon continues to do uh, comics based on Buffy and Angel. But again, there, there presumably is no agreement with them because they and Sandollar and a few other people are all connected to the Fox oh. TV show. And it's actually Kaz Kazooie. As a partner. Oh, Kaz, yes, Kaz Kazooie. Yeah. That's right. So, basically, there you go. If you really want to rush out and see a, a show not made by the people who you like, I mean, really, what audience is? I don't know who the audience is for that, but uh, there we go. So, Britt, you've got something coming over the top of that. Yeah, um, a, a bit of uh, commentary from uh, somebody close to uh, Fox over in the States has said that uh, it may actually all just be a power play and uh, trying to get Whedon and... Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, together to go back into the and, and shoot the new series, um, and and it's kind of the like new series. They're, they're putting, like a, they're new, putting, a new TV series. Yeah, Buffy. yeah. So so but oh, sorry, a new movie. Um, so talking, bringing up this suggestion that it's all going to be completely taken out of their hands, and and maybe they'll they'll come to the realisation that they really want to do it. But do, um, even, I, though, I even though Gala's are having babies and stuff. I can't imagine either of them wanting to do it. I mean, Buffy was kind of finished off nicely twice, both at the end of season five and season seven. Why would you want to go back and, and yeah. And the, and the other thing is with them, like, like if Joss Whedon had the choice to not work with Sarah Michelle Gellar again or work with Sarah Michelle Gellar again, considering how much we know about Sarah Michelle Gellar on set, what she's like, uh, and how the only good thing that Joss Whedon could ever say about her was that she was really professional. Uh, would why would he want to go through that again? Nobody wants to work with Sarah Michelle Gellar on set. I kind of think also it's better for for Whedon if they do make a movie and it tanks than if he and Michelle Gellar go back and make a movie that's okay. You know, like it's kind of better for his reputation in some ways to say, "You people go do that and bomb with it." rather than him having a moderate hit with it. Yeah, but it's less than likely to tank, given it, the, the fan base that is still around, um, except even though the, it hasn't been on except the, the fan base is Joss's, go. Yeah. The fan base is Joss Whedon's fan base. The fan base, uh, like the, the hardcore fans, are buying the comics, mm. and uh, everybody else is just 
you know, but would they go for a, for a non-Gallo? I don't think uh, they would, though. That's well, they they go non, for a non-Gallo Buffy, but not they a non-Whedon go. Buffy. No. Yeah, that's my my thing is that the only potential audience for it doesn't want to go if Whedon's not involved. So the only audience has to be one that doesn't want to see Buffy anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. it's interesting. Hey, I uh, think speaking of things that we don't necessarily want to see, uh, John, have you heard of a UK series? Because you're you know a UK television guru, because uh, you like it most. Yeah. You love a bit of Thames TV. I'm a bit of a guru. Uh, I just like to play the Thames TV intro over and over again. Have you heard of a series called Harry Hill's TV Burp? I have, yes. What, what is it? Um, I, I, I'm more familiar with Harry Hill as a yeah, a very odd kind of uh, stand-up who's... Short guy with big colours. Yeah, bald. loves a big colour. And likes, um, likes going like that, just for, especially for the video podcast. Video You'll see how I'm going. Yeah. And I can't remember the TV bit was one where he actually played bits of other people's shows or it was a very strange sketch comedy program he did for a few years. Well, uh, Ch- Channel 7 have announced their mid-year shows. Mm-hmm. One of them is TV Burp, hosted by Ed Cavalli. Oh. Uh, and they say, it's what we love and hate about our TV favourites flipped onto its head in this new comedy series. From soap operas to documentaries to reality TV, nothing is safe from TV Burp's unique style of celebrating the week that was on TV. And when we say unique, we mean that old Cut, show that Harry Hill used yes. to <laughs> So it seems to me like it's just taking television snippets from the week and then making jokes about it. Which would also be the soup. Yes. Oh. That's, have we noticed too that the soup uh, currently has a huge campaign massive going? Massive campaign all over Melbourne. There, there are on phone boxes oh, and what's his tram face stops. And, but it's just funny for yeah, a, John McHale is what's his yeah, face. A okay. show that virtually none of us can actually watch. I, I, I watch it religiously. Yes, you, 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 you having cable, but yes. you know, but you know, for the rest of us in the country who don't, it's kind of interesting to see that bigger push for a show that most people can't actually pick up. Yeah, it's it, it is very strange. Uh, and uh, I, I have a question for E about the soup. Uh, that I have sent to uh, the Australian and US ch- chapters of E and uh, am yet to hear a response. So I'll find out more about that in, in the coming weeks and then I'll do a huge expose. Uh, also on the Channel 7 list is a show called ICU uh, from the same crew as Medical Emergency. That's intensive care unit, not a kind of like peekaboo kind yeah, of... Not, it's not, not a, a hide-and-seek-based game not show. Not a webcam application. Not a webcam, no. no. Uh, airways about running a day, the day-to-day running of a budget airline. So that's not a medical drama. Then. Not not a medical drama, right. uh, or a medical reality show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Double take, which is uh, irreverent sketch comedy. <laughs> that's just that's just footage of people going. <laughs> uh, if you were watching the video podcast, There's that was no, hilarious. The thing is, that was very good. But there is no video podcast, uh, and they say. They say movie send-ups and political trivialization. Think Julia <laughs> Gillard serenading Kevin Rudd. That sounds hilarious. World world's strictest parents. <laughs> You're just making these up now. You're just now making up really random I, words I'm next not, to each other. I'm not. Channel Seven have sent this in a media release. Yeah, when sharks buy horses. <laughs> That'll be there. Oh, <laughs> that's the one I want to see. <laughs> when sharks buy horses. When sharks buy horses. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets a bit uh, trapped over all the mundane bits about you know checking the horse and how you pay for it and credit lines. I, I think the show should have steered away from that and just focused more on the sharks or the how, horses. How, how do they hold on to the reins? With difficulty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, th- th- that's the sort of quality we can look forward to from Channel, <laughs> Channel Seven. 7. Uh, well, I've got another another program coming up. You know, hey, Josh, you know how you keep saying you really wish that Nora Ephron's sister would make a TV show based on Twitter? Because I'm, I'm so sick of Nora Ephron calling me up 
and saying, come on, why don't you let my sister have a TV show? And I have to keep going, because the last three films that you made were terrible and you have sullied her reputation. But then she says, but my sister had a great idea for using, you know, the the current Flesh in the Pan social uh, networking website to to do it. And then you you always just poo-poo her. Yeah, uh, well, I do, because she also came up with that whole uh, Wikipedia TV uh, show, which was just, you know, her reading out articles from (laughs) Wikipedia. And then next week... Changing them because they were changed during the week. No, no, the exciting thing about that was that the, the text that she was reading from would change just before she got to, to the words that well, she was reading. Well, halfway through, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was yeah. exciting. Um, but yeah, Nora but Ephron. Amy Ephron, sister of Nora Ephron, no. uh, apparently has a Twitter TV show in development um, with production companies um, from, who made The Office and Samantha Who. Um, apparently, the, the word is that it will feature ordinary people competing while on the trail of celebrities. And I'm yeah. going to be just as good as that CB radio drama was back then. I think this proves that Twitter is over, though. Well, if when, Nora Efron's when sister you say, is making a drama When you say about, C, CB radio drama, do you mean BJ and the Bear? No, I just made it up, but now that you've said it, there is one. <laughs> well, interestingly, out of that news, uh, one of Twitter's uh, biggest celebrity user, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher said uh, that he would be leaving Twitter if that actually happened yeah. because it's not... Uh, oh, uh, we, were, we were checking it up. It's not a good thing for celebrities uh, using Twitter if other users are going to start stalking them. I, I think I'm going to have to join Ross on Smacker. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe that I still can't get that. <laughs> A um, couple of Doctor Who things out of the UK. Firstly, uh, the companion for the new Doctor Who, uh, otherwise known as Baby Doc, uh, has been announced as Karen Gillan. Um, it's not much of a story just because we don't actually know who she is. The story is basically actor gets announced for role. That's, oh, that's kind she's of, uh, 21 yeah. years old and will be alongside Matt Smith, who uh, is the the uh, prepubescent doctor, going to air as a normal series again, spring 2010. That's the northern spring. Uh, apparently, Gillen beat off dozens of hopefuls. <laughs> Till I have one of television. It's a very popular show. I'm so juvenile. <laughs> I am so juvenile. A lot of people want to get in that show. Additionally, uh, the BBC has said a. Uh, this is a, another story. A script is in development for a possible spin-off movie for Doctor Who uh, with David Tennant as uh, the favoured one to uh, take was, the lead role. I was hoping in it was that. David Tench. Yes, uh, he's also appearing. As uh, the Doctor in the forthcoming third series of the Sarah Jane Adventures happening over there. There's also um, a new Doctor I'm, I'm cartoon sure that, as well. I'm just, not sure. Just to throw that in there. I'm not sure the, so, the so, UK is ever going to let go of David Tennant as the Doctor. And uh, they may have screwed up uh, the, the, the show, the idea. Uh, any any uh, report in, in those items that you had there of Audrey Hepburn's animated corpse <laughs> as canine? Any? Uh, only in parentheses, but yeah, yeah, I okay. didn't really want to cover that. Yeah. That's, okay. a, that's in the feature film script, I think. Lastly, in the news, there, there have been uh, rumours going around uh, the web mm. recently about SBS having the rights to Entourage. Mm-hmm. I spoke to an SBS representative earlier today. Who can't be named because they're too high up. Oh, no, her name's Susie. Oh, okay. But she's not actually a, a, a but high-ranking, high-ranking but, but you, insider. But you, you need to call her High Up Susie. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and she told me that yes, it's true they do have the rights, the the free to air rights to screen Entourage. SBS has bought Entourage. Yes, and uh, and that'll be starting on the thirty first of August. I'm now, so, so glad to know my money's being well spent by SBS. Well, see, and and with that, uh, I put up on the blog. Uh, 
part of SBS's uh, announcement or part of their campaign for SBS2, uh, which was just the, uh, the the promo that they had. Uh, and it seems like SBS2 is going to be a lot more like SBS of old. They have started playing foreign language films now on SBS2, yes. which is and uh, uh, And I, I, I really just think that SBS1 is going to end up being uh, HBO shows with ads in them. Mm-hmm. That's, that seems to be the way it's going to go. Uh, but, yeah, we, we wait and see. Uh, so SBS2 is, off SBS2 is actually uh, going to it's replace what they have been showing, which has been uh, foreign news services. They'll, they will still have foreign news throughout the day okay. and, uh, and then we'll have other programming at night, at least until uh, they realise that no one watches the, uh, the the foreign language news and they take it off uh, and put it on, and put on uh, I don't know episodes of South Park or well, something even Dust Journal even Dust Journal even Dust Journal and that is the Box Cutters news Hi I'm Josie Pirelli from Chart Busting 80s and you're listening to the guys on Box Cutters Better Off Ted is a show from the ABC network in the US uh, that started uh, about 10 weeks ago or so. And it uh, is about this guy, Ted, who works for this company called Viridian Dynamics, who, who are one of these uber conglomerates, and uh, they do a little bit of everything and uh, are not in any way uh, tied down to any kind of moral standing at all. Uh and they will experiment on their own staff. Uh, it, it, and it's it's basically about Ted who manages a group, including the uh, some of the scientific investigators. He's, he's head, of, head of research and development. Oh, head, is he? Yes. Right. He's, he apparently, he's the research and development guy, they mentioned at one point. He's, right. He's famous for it. And, uh, and uh, you know, the, the adventures therein. I mean, that's, that's really it. it uh, co-stars Portia de Rossi, uh, which is her first... Uh, TV series since Arrested Development, and uh, there's. I personally have a, uh, a a bit of a love hate relationship with Better Off Ted. I think bits of it are really funny, and other bits of it just seem like Malcolm in the Middle grown up. I I, um, I would say it reminded me probably more of Thirty Rock in some ways because it's it's quite deliberate. Um, I, I loved it. I watched, I watched the three episodes in a row last night, so I watched this one enormous block. But um, it's kind of Thirty Rock, and then it's created this universe, and it's a it's a definitely stylized show. Like mm. everyone's performing in it in a particular style they want, and it's almost reminiscent of the kind of sort of Tracy Hepburn. Um, so Catherine Tracy. Tracy, Catherine Tracy, Spencer, Spencer Hepburn, Tracy, Catherine um, films. Yeah, I love those too. Well, and, they and were monkeys. V- uh, Viridian, Viridian <laughs> Dynamics would try to make some kind of combination of Spencer Tracy and Catherine, and Catherine Hepburn, Hepburn. They, they, as the yeah. ultimate t- movie star. They would. Um, and it's, it's got this kind of slight 50s feel to it, which I really enjoyed. And it's very much workplace drama. We very rarely see them outside of the workplace. It's very screwball comedy in that it's, it's rapid fire dialogue. Um, between them, actually, we, we've got a, we've got a clip. Can we play the the audio clip yeah, in, sure. the, in the office? This is in Porsche de Rossi's the boss. This is her office where Ted enters. We may have created a monster in a lab. It's not a monster. It's a cyborg that can kill without remorse. I was talking about Phil. What, what are you talking about? I was also talking about Phil. <laughs> it's classified. 
But it's going to be a fantastic new tool if we can get it to tell the difference between soldiers and children. We have a Phil problem, and that means we have a meat problem. I can't have a Phil or a meat problem. Bad enough, I have a cyborg problem. Stupid thing just kills whatever's in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, look, I think all the attention might have gone to Phil's head. Now, he and Lamb aren't working together. That's it. I'm taking care of this myself. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't hurt him. I'm not going to hurt him. He has an inflated ego. That's something I can work with. I'm going to save the company from a lawsuit, get Phil back to work, and grow me some lab meat. And then I'm going to be Trailblazer of the Year. You know that's not a real award. I want it. So I, I think their relationship is great. I think Portia de Rossi is fantastic. I, 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 I was going to say, weird fortnight for us that, you know, last week we both agreed Kenneth Branagh can act, and, and today I'm going to say some words I've never said together. I loved Portia de Rossi in this. I, you, I, you didn't like her in Arrested Development? I was never really a fan of Arrested Development. Yeah, it was okay, but I never kind of, I found it a bit. I, I remember Arrested Development, I liked the scripts, I never liked the production. Very I think, much. I I think like also her character in Arrested Development was a lot more unlikable mm-hmm. than this Yes. One. Whereas this, it's funny because she's she is the unlikable character, but you'd love her. I mean, she's just so riveting on screen. And um, the third episode where where Ted has to bring his daughter, who's I mean, all the acting is amazing in this. I think they're all great. And the little girl is fantastic. He has to bring her to work, and she ends up with Portia de Rossi. Portia de Rossi obviously has no idea what to do with kids, and and just the interplay between the two of them is fascinating. It, it, that is that is an excellent episode. And I think the problem I have is all, all the uh, talking to camera that Ted does, it, and he does he narrates it, which is fine. But uh, I think he over-narrates it and, and does a lot of bits to camera, which, which is what reminds me of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's 10 years old. The bits to camera are oddly unnecessary. That, that's the odd thing about them. They're just not needed. They don't, I mean, to me, they didn't hinder it, but they, they didn't add anything either. And I'm not quite sure. I almost felt like the, the, the makers of the program are a little bit nervous because it's a slightly weird setup that he's you know, head of research and development for a start that maybe they felt they needed to explain more about it than they actually did. But... Um, because yeah, that's that's it. I mean, but it didn't it didn't it didn't annoy me. It just kind of felt and 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 that can really kind of cut through having to waste too much time using devices for uh, exposition. Well, yeah. So which yeah, can make it the, actually make it snappier. And there there are times when it's used like that, and there are times when I don't know if you, if you go back and watch early episodes of Malcolm in the Middle, uh, he will say things to camera just because it's the right time to cut to an ad, and they couldn't think of any other way to end that scene Mm -hmm. and that seems to be happening a little bit in in Better Off Ted but it is still early days the show has been renewed by ABC and the actors I mean the actors are all charming it's always because you just really enjoyed you know all of them are great there's no one sort of miscast in it everyone's got a really good style Um, I also say too we didn't mention the ads for for Viridian Viridian Dynamics Viridian Dynamics um, the first two episodes start off with an ad the third one the ad's kind of in the middle but you get these these beautiful ads that just sum up the, the company so well. I have to say, also, just before we uh, we show this ad, I uh, watched Better Off Ted when it launched in the US. Uh, so it happened while I was away. Uh, and I really wanted to watch it because it had had a lot of hype. And uh, I turned on just in time to miss uh, 30 Rock, I think, and then switched over to, to Better Off Ted. And it started with a Viridian Dynamics ad. And I went, what the hell is this? It, it really it piqued my I, interest. I actually I actually thought um, when I was watching that it was just an ad someone had accidentally left on the upload. I actually didn't realize it was it, it was a bit first. like the trailers uh, at the start of Tropic Thunder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so while you're listening to this, think it, it is a very realistic ad, especially for for American television. Viridian Dynamics, we're the future of food, developing the next generation of food 
and food-like products. Tomatoes, the size of this baby. Lemon-flavored fish. Chickens that lay 16 eggs a day, which is a lot for a chicken. Organic vegetables, chock full of antidepressants. At Viridian Dynamics, we can even make radishes so spicy that people can't eat them, but we're not, because people can't eat them. Viridian Dynamics, food, yum. She's so good. <laughs> and the thing is as well, that the things that we see in the Viridian Dynamics ads do get referenced in the episodes as well. And there might just be an off-the-cuff remark, uh, but uh, the things that are, that are mentioned in the ad do get some kind of mention in that episode or in a future episode or, you know, it, it might just be, oh, we're working on uh, on uh, putting antidepressants in organic vegetables and uh, and then you'll see an ad two episodes later for it. Or oh, that's great. Something right? like that. So it, there is a lot of thought in, in Better Off Ted uh, and I, it is it is a really enjoyable show. I think uh, it's a single camera uh, non-laugher sitcom. There's a, there's a lovely thing going through about um, one of the characters gets cryogenically frozen in the first episode and then unfrozen. And it seems to be this thing where legal keeps coming up with reasons why the company isn't responsible. And I found that really spot on. Uh, having gone through a similar experience with that with Australia Post, it, it where, actually, where they were trying to find yeah reasons to not be responsible for things. So it's yeah. I don't, I don't know if you've ever read the books of Max Barry. Uh, Australian author Max Barry, the Viridian Dynamics is very much like one of the companies in his books, this kind of over-the-top, I can't believe they would actually go to these limits companies, uh, where it's almost but not quite a parody of real companies. Mm. Uh, you know, it's it, it's, it's too, alarmingly believable. Yes, it, it really is. It. I, I really enjoy Better Off Ted. Uh, I don't know if any uh, local Australian networks have plans to show it. What's I don't it think on, in the any on ABC. I, I don't think... have an agreement with over here. Oh, I if it does like show up here, though, it'll, it'll be on at midnight if it, the, if it shows. They won't play it in the... The idea that, that a local network would even have plans. I mean, D- Pushing Daisies is starting on uh, on Fox 8 Ooh. shortly, and uh, Channel 9 have said that that was going to be airing for the last 18 months. I, I would mm. say look out for the DVDs of Better Off Ted or alternate ways of viewing. Yes. Cut! That's the worst coma acting I've ever seen! Is it my imagination or is TV getting worse? Ah, uh, this show ain't no good. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer! Oh, look out, Smithers! <laughs> I love this show. Uh, this is uh, usually, well, that is usually the Crap TV introduction, but this week it's Crap TV Guide, oh, and I'm talking about the green guy. If, if, I'd, if I'd thought about it, if I'd been on top of the game, when you finished that uh, that, that Crap TV intro, I, I would have just gone, Guide. Guide. <laughs> if I'd thought about it. You're talking about the green guide, which is the uh, the age supplement age that Melbourne's comes out on a Thursday. TV supplement on Thursdays. Which um, uh, a few months ago featured uh, some very handsome men in uh, in their live wire section. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, I've, I've found some uh, some recent changes interesting in it. Um, and, and this was after uh, turning to page two of this week's, and I, of course, forgot to bring it in. Um, so the, I can't demonstrate to you guys. Uh, so, so Debbie Enka has a little column where she just talks about something random about TV. This week she talked about uh, MasterChef and how it's uh, a massive surprise hit for Channel 10 and how it's going really well and all of that. On that same page they have uh, the, the listings of the ratings and uh, the the top the the 
number one. Top most, oh. top ten list. So it's, it's three top ten lists in a column. The top one is uh, Melbourne's viewing figures uh, now. And uh, MasterChef wasn't in that top ten at all. Um, and then I, I kind of looked down, and recently they've stopped showing the national ratings figures in the Green Guide. And uh, it, it's a breakdown on demos. And the first one was kind of an older older demographic, so older age group. And uh, MasterChef there was number six in those figures. And I thought, uh, okay, so let's have a look at what the young kids are looking number six again um but that didn't gel the the, the totals didn't didn't uh, add up uh looking at at the overall melbourne figures and um but it actually happens that uh that the lower list isn't the young kids um they've they've broken it down into a uh 29 to 54 year old is is the middle top 10 list mm-hmm. and an 18 to 49 year old is the bottom list. They're, so they they're showing the same figures with, with five years on either side. They're, they're, the, they are, they are the actually two, two different demographics, according to networks. One is the demographic that Channel 9 uh, follows closely. The other is the demographic that Channel 10 follows closely. Uh, but so does it make any sense? Absolutely none. Absolutely and, none. And I, I, I'm really scratching to understand why they've stopped showing the national figures, whether whether the Green Guide are, are intentionally kind of taking a more parochial uh, view to what to they're putting into it. the paper because so, because maybe they think that the physical paper uh, only has physical readers in Victoria. But that was always fun, though, to look at the difference between Melbourne and, yeah, exactly. and, and the national. Because often we could feel smug that, you know, that something on the ABC had that, rated. That we watch brainier stuff. And also, they're... Uh, Often programming decisions made purely on on ratings figures out of Sydney or on a national basis. And if we're looking at uh, if we're looking at the Melbourne figures, then we've got no idea uh, in those cases why they may have been axed. Apologies for the noise there. Josh is building a giant robot to destroy the world. Yes, indeed. It's uh, <gasps> it crap will. TV. It guide. will. Yeah. Hi. Good day. I'm Katrina Mathers, and I'm on the box cutters. How cool's that? <laughs> In the worlds before Monkey, primal chaos reigned. Heaven sought order, but the phoenix can fly only when its feathers are grown. The four worlds formed again and yet again, as endless eons wheeled and passed. Time and the pure essences of heaven, the moisture of the earth, the powers of the sun and the moon, all worked upon a certain rock, old as creation. And it became magically fertile. That first egg was named Thought. Tathagata Buddha, the father Buddha, said, with our thoughts we make the world. Elemental forces caused the egg to hatch. From it then came a stone monkey. The nature of monkey was irrepressible. And and that is how monkey starts. Well, that's very clear. I think. Yes. yes. Is, that, is that like the first episode, or is that the full opening titles? That's, that's full the full title opening titles every to episode. the first uh-huh. season. Oh, okay. The second season actually has a, a, a much reduced version of that. Uh, which I can play for you, if you like. Please don't. But Please don't? <laughs> That's right. Uh, it, it's a lot of information to take in at the start of the it show. Doesn't, it doesn't actually help, though, does it? It doesn't no. add anything, to, I presume, to Monkey. No, it doesn't. It Do- doesn't add uh, anything at all, except that it, it explains uh, that it is from some kind of mystical and Buddhist part of, uh, of the Chinese culture. 
Now, the, and the, the nature of monkey is also irrepressible. And, and the, the nature, of, nature of monkey is irrepressible. Uh, the interesting thing uh, about monkey... Well, firstly, a, a lot of us saw monkey for the first time coming home from school uh, in the early 80s. It was on... Uh, it, it was on... Uh, in the early 80s. It first started showing on ABC television mm-hmm. in 1979... Uh, but I first came across it uh, when I was in primary school in the in the early eighties, and mm. oh, I always uh, thought it was uh, that that six thirty. It was, it was slot. a six o'clock slot because I personally, yes, uh, uh, and I must go back to it. I always had a bit of a, a thing against Monkey because if Monkey was on, it meant Doctor Who wasn't. Ah, you know, basically the goodies in Doctor Who were not on if Monkey was on. So to me, Monkey was always that spoiler that came into the party and said, "Ouch, out programs you like." I, I had a childhood where I wasn't exposed to any of that stuff because it was the time of the uh, commercial news services. So I, I have no growing up experience with Monkey, Doctor Who, The Goodies, Kenny Inspector Everett. Gadget, Kenny Everett. Uh, so, ma- so many of those that are, that are such cult and, and part of our pop culture, um, I really missed out on. Right. Well, it's, it's a shame because yeah, no. Monkey, <laughs> Monkey for me was, uh, was, was quite influential. Uh, it, it really uh, shaped my understanding of... Uh, Asian cinema and and uh, and the, the kind of technologies that were used in there and, and uh, formed a basis for uh, my uh, fanhood of. And is that why you always wear a tiara? That is why I always wear a tiara. I did wonder. So, Monkey was uh, is is an adaptation of an old Chinese story uh, called Journey to the West, where uh, a boy priest, a monkey god, a pig spirit, and a fish spirit. It's the old, old story. I know. Travel from China to a place called Gandhara, where they're looking for the secret to life. Yet Monkey itself is not a Chinese show, is it? It is a Japanese show. Mm-hmm. Tripitaka is not a boy priest. He's a lady. He's a lady. Tripitaka was, uh, was played by uh, a woman who, who was quite a famous model in Japan. and, uh, and Bold she- model? So, so, no, no. She had she had hair when she was modelling, but she was bald for the for the series. Uh, she um, and she uh, unfortunately died uh, of uh, some kind of cancer in uh, in 1985. That's I think a very it was. depressing story. Yeah, uh, but uh, now in the back just, of my head, I have some. Is there some weird factoid about where it was filmed? Like it was. I seem to remember there was some controversy. It was filmed in. Mongolia it was filmed. Or it something? was filmed in China, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, but entirely Japanese staffed. I don't know how they did that. I don't know how they got through that in, in Mouse China. But uh, it's it was filmed largely in China, but also in a very limited space. They reused a lot of the same sets. Uh, they reused the cast. So uh, somebody who you know, was a peasant in one episode was a dragon king in the next episode. Uh, but it, it brought together a whole lot of elements, not not only the uh, the... Asian spiritual element and the uh, kung fu fighting element, but also uh, the the idea of supernatural demons and uh, and th- there were some bits that were very scary, uh, some bits that were very exciting, and it was also really funny. And it's the sort of thing that uh, watching it back when I got older and, and when I was in high school, and the ABC was showing it again, uh, that I, I found a, a new a new love for it because. It was completely different to, to how I remembered it because it had all these extra elements. And I'm, I'm going to play uh, a, uh, a short bit with uh, Monkey and Pigsy fighting. Uh, so I think, this is, uh, I think this is when they first meet. 
and you'll get you'll get an understanding. The other thing about Monkey that I have to say is it, it was entirely in Japanese, but dubbed into English with English actors with comic accents. Yes, another reason I think as a kid it just really annoyed me. Well, uh, the uh, apparently the way Monkey speaks in English is very similar to the way he spoke in Japanese, but all the others not necessarily so. Uh, and in the second series, Horse, who was previously just a horse, uh, actually starts taking human human form, voiced by Andrew Sachs. Mm. Yes. Uh, so here's, uh, here's a little bit of uh, Monkey and Pigsy, and you'll hear the, the fighting noises, and it is very cartoony. Fight, <laughs> Pig! It was to compensate me for this incarnation. It's my muck wreck. You don't say. Then you must be the real ex-marshal of heaven. Ah, yes. It's also got a ro- rock and roll soundtrack. <laughs> I've just realised I actually recognise the voice of the guy playing monkey. You could be fake. The guy what? playing monkey. Go on. Hit as hard as you like. Right on the head. David Not Collins. Yes. Right. Is David right. Collins? David Never. Collins um, appeared regularly oh, in uh, lots of BBC-style science fiction of the 70s. He, he was in Doctor Who a couple of times. He was in Sapphire and Steel. To what? Right. Just curious, as an adult, his voice is, is so recognisable. As a kid, he was a monkey. I won't. Don't be so stubborn. I won't. I won't. It's not that hard. Right, so it's, it's got all these weird cartoony elements to it, but it's also quite violent. It is quite violent, uh, but but fun all the way through. I really, I really enjoyed Monkey. I know a lot of people who grew up around the same time as me really enjoyed Monkey, and uh, and and I, I know at uh, primary schools around the time that that seventies eighties kind of thing, um, some schools had to ban people from watching Monkey because it was making the kids too violent, We're yeah, hitting people with sticks. Yeah. We we would play Monkey at mm-hmm. uh, at, at lunchtime. And, uh, you know, someone would be Monkey, someone would be Pigsy, someone would be Sandy, some unfortunate person would be, uh, would be Tripitaka, and, uh, and someone would be Horse. And uh, uh, they'd just shout a lot yeah. and then end up Horse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and th- there are things like Monkey calling his magic cloud by blowing on his fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monkey did have a magic staff that he could make very small and put behind his ear. Uh, I know somebody who ended up with a ball bearing inside their ear because they were playing monkey and uh, and thought, well, they'll they'll try to hide the ball bearing and pretend that that's the tiny staff. Will uh, no one think of the children? I know, I know. It was very influential Could, and really affected uh, a generation. I also want to point out it's, it's one of my absolute bits of TV pedantry, and I do apologise. But but um, but we recently wrote a thing on the Outland Institute about top five things that annoyed people, and and one of mine at the end was just the fact. I hate reference to a character called Doctor Who, and I hate reference to a TV show called Monkey Magic. There is no yes. show called Monkey Magic. There has never been a show called Monkey Magic. It's called Monkey. It's on screen. Monkey. It's there. It's one word. Six letters. Monkey. It appears every single week. And yet people always refer to it as Monkey Magic. The, uh, the, the band that uh, recorded the theme to, to Monkey Magic... 
did that just for you. <laughs> it's not even the opening credit theme, though. Is it? I think it's the end credit no, no, theme. That, is Monkey Mon- Magic? Monkey Magic is the uh, is the opening credit theme. Oh, is, okay. The closing is Gondora. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and it was uh, a band called Godiego. Formed in uh, 1976, and they uh, released a single with Gandhara on side one, uh, The Birth of the Odyssey and Monkey Magic, which was the name of the song, mm. on side two. Uh, and, uh, and then the BBC in 1980 released uh, a full Godiego soundtrack LP from Monkey. Featuring 11 tracks. If anyone has a copy of that, <laughs> can you please send it my way? You can uh, get our details from hooray at boxcutters.net. That's, uh, that's Monkey. It's before and after school. I used to watch it after school. Uh, let us know your Monkey memories on the blog. Hi, I'm really lucky to be the guest of these funny, gorgeous, sexy, hunky men. This is Jane Badler. You're listening to Box Cutters. I always think that's Pete Smith. It's not Pete Smith, it's, though, is no, it? It no. sounds like him. It's just... I know. I know. It really does. Brett. Uh, SBS kicked off uh, with a new show a couple of Saturdays ago called The Squiz. You've had a look at it, uh, I, I have. I have had a look at Canal. it. John Richards, have no, you had my, the pleasure? Look, my knowledge of The Squiz was this was the show that Henry Stride was finding talent. And, and as you're watching on the video podcast, you can see I'm doing... Finger quotes. Yes. Um, uh, Henry Stride was looking for talent for the squiz when we when, when she famously made the news and we did all those stories about she basically said she was looking for people who were pretty but not interesting and therefore I think well why would I ever want to watch a show that Henry Stride is picking talent for that's that was my feeling no, she, I've she not watched that. it I, I didn't remember that little uh, line but what I'm, a magical I'm, no, no, line no, no, that no, is no, that's paraphrasing that's paraphrasing I'm paraphrasing yeah what she was basically saying yeah uh, it's a it's a quiz show that's uh, allegedly based around sports uh, hosted by Arne Doe uh, with two teams. Captains a la Spix and Specs, uh, who are the uh, the short kind of mongoloid looking guy from the Ronnie John's Half Hour. I don't think you're allowed to call people short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so either. And uh, and a, wo- a woman that looks like Julia Zemiro, but, but has has none of her intelligence, her engagement, or her talent. Jordan Raskopoulos and and she has Amelia no idea Jane about Hunter. sports. She has Amelia, no Amelia, idea about sports. Amelia Jane Hunter is her name. Uh, yeah, I. I have to say, Ando was great. Ando is a, a very charismatic host, but it it just looks so. Do you remember the ABC had a game show in 1988 called the Oz Game? <laughs> yes, that's just brought back horrible, horrible memories. It's shot like the Oz Game. You it just w- it looks really cheap and stagey. The big prize in the Oz Game was a dryer bone, as far as I can uh, yeah, remember. I think that so. was the, the yeah. um, uh, the and uh, SBS also had uh, a quiz show in its in its early days, uh, which was some kind of computer related uh, quiz show, and they had a little uh, a little robot sidekick for the a la now you see it for, for the host called GoTo, and, uh, and and it just looks like ABC's game show development has not improved since then. SBS. Sorry, SBS. SBS. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Don't SBS. mock the ABC game shows. No, no, no. They're great. <laughs> the, uh, so it, it just it looks really cheap, which is a, a big problem. There's that. Uh, so so we've got the uh, core three that come back each week. Then they have five guests, which doesn't really work for two evenly divided teams. But they go through this whole pretense of, okay, now it's time to pick sides, just like in the old schoolyard, and somebody has to sit out and... and 
get put into the, the completely awkward position of presenting the scores at the end of each round. And then, at the end of each round, just before they go to a break, they have to decide, or the, the lowest-scoring team has to decide which of their team they're going to kick off and say something funny about why they're kicking them off uh, to replace uh, with the person who's on the scoreboard. And they, like nobody yet has come up with a funny reason for kicking somebody off their team. This sounds uncomfortable. It I'm is. Gonna say. How, it many, is. How it many is. episodes have been on? Uh, two episodes, which uh, we've, we've seen on air four times. I could not <laughs> believe when I discovered... Uh, over the weekend that uh, SBS are re-screening the show at 6 o'clock on Sunday nights. Because that's how I saw because it. I, I saw uh, episode two uh, last Sunday. Last night, yep. yep. Uh, and and I had to say, it, for a half-hour show, it did seem to go on for about 90 minutes. It was very slow going. And uh, and also, I mean, I'm not that interested in, in sport, but... Uh, I do love a quiz show, as as we know. And after after watching this, I did have to watch two episodes of Jeopardy's Tournament of Champions just to get the taste back to back me. just to get the taste out of my mouth. Well, I had to turn off halfway through the second one. And you know, I I am a big stickler for the rule of three, but no, this is shit. Devil's advocate, you don't you don't think it's going to pick up? You don't think it's early days? You know, people are a bit nervous. I really don't think so. And and uh, I I wanted to have a look into it, but I didn't get a chance as to uh, who who was behind the production of this and how much. Uh, in common this show and the NRL footy show had uh, maybe a producer or because uh, the comics that they get on on the footy show up in New South Wales and also their their talent uh, their presenters they have an issue about actually knowing what's funny and I think so do the people but that could be Henry Stride when that could again be you just ending up with the same was that uh, who's who's the NRL footy show is that Channel 9 because that's where Stride works. Genre. So, yeah. So, it could just be that you've got the same sort of talent scouts looking for the same people. Um, a, t- a question of sport was the one in the UK, which never really worked there either, that I remember. Mm, and uh, so, you saw it, uh, saw the repeat of this week's one. Um, the, it also kind of uh, kicked me into another pet hate, I think, now, where uh, I think sporting shows should just stop uh, taking the piss out of uh, sportsmen... Uh, Making sporting cliches in their post-game interviews. Oh, because there's, there's a whole it's, segment on that. Yes, it was, just, well, that was one of the challenges. And they had Jason Gann yeah. doing the thing that he did in, in the a whole series <laughs> of uh, of TV shows. It just, it, I really, it was, it was not entertaining at all, which is a shame because they do have. I, I think Amelia and J- Jane Hunter's quite quite talented. I think Jordan Raskopoulos is quite talented. I also think that Arne Doe is very good as a host and it's great to see a, a short guy get a role on television yeah, as yeah. a host. And I, I, and I don't hold uh, Jason Raskopoulos' looks against him. I, I, I quite like him. Um, I was just coming up with the best description. But, but none of them have anything to work with in, in this show. If people do want to watch The Squiz, when can they? It's on SBS on Saturday nights at uh, 8.30pm and Sunday nights at uh, 6 o'clock. So is that leading into Rock Quiz? Yes, it does. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it goes between the Mythbusters slash Top Gear uh, screening and into Rock Quiz. Larry Postman, I have a letter from you. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Save you. No, I'm, I'm just Postman. The Postman. Postman, the postman, the postman. John Richards, open up 
the mailbag. We've had lots of lots of stuffs come in. We get emails and SMSs and people leave comments on the blog. The, the blog is at boxcutters.net. You can email us, hooray, at boxcutters.net, or send us a text at 0458-CUTTER. And please do keep leaving your messages. So, um, look, this is chug through some of these. Daniel D. Boxcutter says, I can't believe I heard Josh say something good about Kenneth Branagh. Next, he'll be singing the praises of Andy McDowell. Someone take his temperature. <laughs> have you been known for your, uh, for your anti-Kenneth? <laughs> I, I have. I have. He's... Uh you should have heard me after I saw the uh, 29-hour Hamlet that, uh, that, that Kenneth Branagh did. That was where, the shortcut, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, where, yeah, where I realised that Kenneth Branagh understands Shakespeare really, really well. He just shouldn't be acting or directing. <laughs> he should just write Shakespeare like everyone else. Yeah. Um, Riley wrote in, this is regarding something we talked about two weeks ago now. Um, so sorry to get away from Eurovision, but just so you know, SBS currently shows the Tour de France live once it starts, showing it around 10 or 11 p.m. each night. But this is after each stage begins, so the telecast always misses the first 100 kilometres or so of each stage. Because we were saying we weren't quite sure what the difference was between playing all of it on uh, SBS. We're on the impression they're already doing that. Yep. Well, so, yeah, so, so now uh, they do say on SBS 2 that they will be having Tour de France live, but they don't say that it's going to be all of the France. Well, yes, but, 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 but Riley's saying he hopes this will basically include that extra 100 kilometres he's been missing out on. He says, I know at least two people are excited about this, and I'm one of them. So there you go. <laughs> so at least, yeah, at least two people thrilled by SBS. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacey wrote in. Um, now, we, we, we had Mark Fennell... Uh, talking about films last week about television. And curiously, we seem to have missed one of the ones that we, we talked about in the preparation for it. Um, I'll start with actually with Tristan Boxcutter right in saying um, he surprised we didn't mention Series 7, The Contenders, and which is one that we had yes. talked about when arranging Mark Fennell to come in. Because uh, we basically argued that, that uh, film either shows TV as being uh, a frivolous, lightweight, throwaway thing, or it shows it as being the ultimate evil. And uh, Series 7, The Contenders, obviously falling into that. Uh, uh, Tristan says, It's a movie pretending to be a finale episode of a reality TV show where random people in the street are given guns and made into contenders. They have to hunt each other down, last man standing style. Um, it's a very exciting film. It's a great film, actually. And then Stacey also wrote in saying, I can't believe you did a segment about films and TV without mentioning the most devastating, prescient, insightful and thought-provoking film about TV all time, The Running Man. Uh, I had a look at the 80s-tastic Arnold Cheese Face a few weeks ago, and it was like watching a documentary. Less <laughs> memorable than Robocop, but it's humorous and blatant satire for the media, but still worthwhile. Um, uh, she's wondering why most dangerous game-style hunt-and-kill events like this aren't actually on TV for real by now. Uh, hasn't society got enough to the dogs for genuine murderous entertainment on TV to become standard? If it does catch on anywhere, I'm tipping Japan to be the first country to do it. Uh, she also then puts it in, by the way, thanks for that beautifully beautiful reading a few episodes ago of her earlier email about TV and nostalgia. I wasn't expecting that. I only got back from Japan a few weeks ago and was catching up on the shows I'd missed, and suddenly I hear Brett's sonorous tones enunciating my words, most flattering. So there oh, you go. My pleasure. But, um, also, uh, yeah. I, I have to say, with The, with, with the Running Man... Uh, I only know it as a book. I haven't seen the film. Mm-hmm. And uh, the films are much different from the book. It's, it's, a, it's a different King style of novella, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, well, uh, Richard Bachman, uh, Richard Bachman, yeah. but, but yes, Richard but Bachman novel. Yeah, it's a you know as full length as a Richard Bachman novel gets, uh, and uh, and a, a fantastic book. Mm-hmm. And yes, a, a really exciting. It, it is a lot more like series seven. Uh, uh, yes, and also possibly I think like the seventh, seventh victim, which is a short story from the fifties, I think, which then got turned to the tenth victim. The because uh, three more victims for cinema, oh, the yeah. Italian film. But basically, what we're going to do is next week I'm going to do a little segment about uh, killer game shows. So oh, nice. as an apology for for having you know, missed out some of those those shows, yes, next week I'll I'll be doing a bit of that. 
Um, Boonie, one, one more letter. Boonie Boxcutter says, I'd love it if Boxcutters was an enhanced AAAC. Sorry, AAC, guys, with chapters and all that. I don't even know what that means. Is that something we can do? or is that, It's uh, something that uh, iTunes and iPods uh, pick up. Uh, it, it is quite uh, labour-intensive, and given our quick turnover and getting it up, uh, sometimes within half an hour after the show, um, it would blow that out quite Sorry, significantly. Sorry, I think Brett's at this point. no. Yeah, it's it's something it's something we can do, and if if there is a, a, a lot of need for it, then uh, we can put an AAC version up a few days later. If we get that grant from the AAC Foundation, we'll definitely be doing that, Boonie. Yeah, nice. Thanks for running in. Thanks. Uh, letters to Boxcutters. Again, if you want to send letters, you can hooray at boxcutters.net or send us a text, 0458 Carter. And I do just very quickly want to say thanks for the support uh, in that comment on the blog. If you watch one thing. Yeah, no, it's much more normal the second time around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you like it? I just I, this tradition of box cutters bizarre promos. It's <laughs> weird. This is, of course, if you watch one thing, you should be frightened. <laughs> <laughs> one disturbing thing. Uh, John Richards, what have you got? Well, I found it really hard this week. I found it a bit, a bit of a troll. Seems all of us have found it a yeah, bit problematic. Yeah, yeah, really hard to find anything worthwhile. I was trying to find a good documentary or something to recommend, but no. So I'm I'm so desperate. I'm, and my newfound love for Portia de Rossi. I'm going to say the Ellen Show. Um, not <laughs> not the midday Ellen Show though. I recommend you watch it at midnight when they repeat it. Unfortunately, I don't think Channel Nine is actually repeating it this week, but they will be again. I find watching the Ellen Show, which is yeah the chat show thing that yes, Ellen DeGeneres Ellen does. DeGeneres. Dancing I, over the table. I find watching it at midnight incredibly soothing. There's just something... At, at midday, it would annoy the hell out of me. But at midnight, it just seems like a couple right. of Horlicks before bed. It, it might have something to do with, uh, with the layer of... Uh of liquid estrogen that builds up on the studio floor there over, over the course of the show. Yeah, it could be. All, all, yeah. the, all the vodka I've been getting into from 8pm. But yeah, no, but I do find it midnight. It's a very charming show to watch. I do enjoy a little bit, Ellen. And uh, yeah, hooray Give for me that. Nothing at all special, uh, unique this week. So uh, talking about your generation, check it out if you haven't. McAuliffe's you, good. You, it's you going like well. It. Yeah. I saw uh, a Dave in the Life last week. A Dave uh, in the Life? Dave in the Life yep. on SBS. Uh, and Is it on this week? Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I think- don't know. In the Green Guide, uh, South Park was listed as uh, a one-hour thing tonight. Right. See, I um, haven't actually... But check it out if it's come up. If, if it is. Uh, I, I watched that last week. It was, if you, it was if you watch good. one thing that's on, maybe <laughs> that might be it. Uh, but then I think you can also go onto the uh, SBS website and uh, and watch a whole bunch of their stuff uh, that uh, from the week before as well. So uh, I, it is there. It definitely is there. Have a look at the uh, Pensioners episode. It's not funny... But quite depressing and accurate. Still worth watching. Okay, question three. Which Gareth, canal? All these going to be about war. No, I got loads of. I got one on tennis. One on the Suez Canal. Loads. Okay, question three. Which canal links the Mediterranean with the Red Sea? Box. Now, last week's question was great. I yeah. so enjoyed last week's question. None of us can quite Very remember what it was. Yeah. Because there wasn't a single question. So it wasn't something that anybody could like really easily look up mm. and know exactly what we were after. Now, from what we can remember, we think Josh said, can you name a, uh, an English language television series uh, based upon a series of foreign language, uh, language other than English, Books. Books. And, and I guess that we, we really should have pointed out at that point when we were asking the question, we weren't just after the answer, yes, 
That As was in, yes. Yes, Cat, I can. Cat brain did get a little bit semantic, challenging with us to go. Oh, but she didn't then send another message to put in a real answer. But um, there were some great answers. I, I managed to work out four myself. And by say myself, I mean you know one of them was actually the evil Doctor Chris, but the other three I, I managed to come up with, um, which I think most of our listeners came up with as well. The most. Uh, I think the most correct answer, I'm going to say that, uh, would appear to be Maigret, which was a um, based on Georges Simenon's, uh, he was Belgian, but he wrote in French, novels about Inspector Maigret set in Paris. Um, they were a huge hit for the BBC in the early 60s, and they've come back several times. Um, so uh, Rupert Davies played Maigret in 60 to 63. Uh, ITV in 88 did one with Richard Harris, uh, 1992 to 93 one with Michael Gambon. Uh, there were also other answers which I think are acceptable. Were Miffy, uh, originally I think Dutch yes. Miffy books. Pippi Longstocking. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, Baba. Oh, Baba! Yeah, the elephant. Yeah, that was an excellent one. That was yeah, that was that was again from the thirties. Those and, books uh, and again, I think of the French. I also uh, that that got me thinking. Tintin. And because uh, Tintin was a TV series, okay, yeah, and uh, and also Madeline. The only other one I came up with, uh, which is is a little bit stretchy, I'll admit, is that um, Captain Nemo is actually a character in two novels by Jules Verne. Um, he appears in Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea and also in uh, The Mysterious Island. Mm-hmm. Those originally French novels. He's been adapted for TV several times. Apparently, appallingly, virtually every time he's been done. Oh, and uh, also uh, uh, the uh, the Odyssey by Homer was made into Ulysses Two Thousand AD. The uh, the cartoon series. <laughs> there were a few cartoon series I found which um like the Three Musketeers and things like that, which were actually uh, all originally in other languages and then dubbed into English. So there's really quite a few that you would think would be acceptable answers, but they turned out to be languages other than English turned into TV shows in languages other than English and then dubbed into English. So they were not acceptable. Yeah, well, yeah, Monkey is like that. Monkey was like that, but some of the cartoon ones which I assumed were American were, were not. Uh, the winner is... Mark Lawless, who uh, covered his bases by uh, giving us one answer and then not sure if that answer actually covered the very specific and forgetful criteria uh, <laughs> of, of the question, uh, answered with another. So he, he came up with uh, Cloche Marie, which was a 1934 French satirical novel about installing a new urinal in the town square. But that was an incorrect answer. Uh, well, that was... A single no- yeah, novel, single not, no- a, yes, not, a, not series a series of books. Yeah, yeah. So then he uh, then he corrected himself, and uh, and then uh, said Megre. But he was chosen randomly, I presume. He was the, from from the from the bag. He was chosen randomly. <laughs> I just liked that completeness. Yeah, I think we yeah. should expect that from uh, from all. Please show your working. Uh, so uh, you will be receiving Mark a uh, crumpler Parmigiana holder. Yes. Ooh, nice. Yes, uh, for all your chickeny, chickeny goodness. Now, um, the, the prize this week for our Box Cutters quiz, and uh, this is always a problematic one for the video podcast because it's really hard to see on the camera because it's There's camouflage. This. It's oh, the camo. I can't it's hard see to, you anything. It's, it's like you're holding a see, bag. It's hard to see on the camera because there are no cameras. It's the textbook point messenger bag in camo green oh, red. I could just it see is, a plastic bag. It's a, a very, very it special is, messenger bag. It is a fantastic messenger bag. Um, the links on the wiki, Josh, uh, and uh, this is a. I th- I, I'm hoping that this will be a tricky one. Mm. Um, we need to know who uh, who the talker is in 
this clip, which is it's actually a, a rare and very interesting piece of Australian television uh, footage that was never meant for television. Um, and uh, I think that uh, if if listeners actually find out where it's from, uh, they'll very much appreciate it. Okay, uh, I think uh, I think we're ready to go now. Who is this voice? Well, I hope you're enjoying the party. I am, and I'm on videotape. But to those of you who haven't attended one of our Christmas parties before, the following program concerns all of us here at Television City. It highlights events that we consider to be important, important because in this industry, it is very necessary to be able to laugh at ourselves. Now, to those of you who've seen a staff show, well, you'll know what it's all about. And to all of you, watch very carefully because you may be a star. Hello, Ron. How's your Davis? Hello, so, Ian. Uh, How's your... So that's just the so that, first just, voice that first voice, because clearly that second voice, Graham Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So if you say Graham Kennedy, eh, you're out. I want to work at Television City. It's it fun, just sounds isn't great, it? doesn't it? Television City. So uh, if you can tell us that person, who, whose voice that is. Tell us the name of the person who owns that voice. Send your entries to hooray at boxcutters.net or via our text at 0458-CUTTER. And if you're correct, you'll be in the running for that fabulous camo messenger bag. Mm. Thanks very much to Crumpler who give us bags to give away to you, the listeners. And you can find them and that bag at crumpler.com.au. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. Very interesting, uh, just uh, kind of unrelated but related. Uh, Malcolm Turnbull's uh, ranking on the BRW uh, rich list for Australia uh, was was out there politically this week, um, something that people didn't really look at, I don't think. Jamie Packer's fortune decreased by half. because wow. Because he's gotten rid of Channel 9? Uh, yeah, why? Well, I would assume that would be the case. And, and so, is he only worth half a squillion dollars now? Uh, I think it's three bill, down from six point oh four three, bill. Three bill. That's how the rich people that's say. That's in twelve. Three bill. That's in twelve months. Hard to get by on that. I know. I know. He's he's just eating toast and Vegemite. <laughs> Poor guy. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode one hundred and eighty four. Until next week. My name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. And uh, I continue to be Brett Cropley getting the outro on just uh, in time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Cutters. Check us out. Oh, C- I've forgotten. Catch, catch us again ca- next week. Yeah. Same bad time. Same bad channel. And hey, let's line. Let's be careful. Let's be there. careful out there. <laughs> Boxcutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Boxcutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Hey, I've, I've got another uh, Viridian Dynamics ad. Hit me with it. Because I, I, I love them. I really do. Viridian Dynamics. Sacrifice. President Obama decides to address the nation. And Viridian Dynamics suffers. Why? 
because we own innocent television networks that are forced to provide El Jefe free airtime. Free time to talk about stuff too complicated for television viewers to understand anyway. We love our country, but why should we have to do anything to help it? We pay taxes, sometimes. We know companies that don't even do that. <coughs> Viridian Dynamics. When presidents talk, Americans get hurt. <laughs> and that's really interesting because uh, Fox just recently have refused to uh, give Obama uh, live airtime uh, in the states. Well, and, and there was an announcement over there. And, and there was a uh, there was a West Wing episode all about that, uh, where the networks were uh, coming together saying we don't really want to uh, put on uh, the uh, the the address. And, uh, and they do it if he takes his shirt off. Oh yeah, totally. Obama, not uh, Bartlett. Mm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, and, and just to explain, uh, this has kind of been messy because we've had no editing time. Catch you again next week. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>